The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Dive in with code WINGEEKS15 to save 15% off your first order at toink.com. To another edition of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3. Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? Not bad. It's much better that we can actually hear now. <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun. Not. But it was just. You should say, you should say Derek and me, so it'll rhyme. Ken, Derek, and me? Yeah. <laughs> it is my initials. They're my dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Qualified for dad jokes? Not, not in the least. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's not that he knows of. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I can say I am. <laughs> but you know, I'm okay with that. Well, it was your choice. It was my choice. <laughs> so, um, check out the homepage WookieRadio.net and check out our affiliates like Biddy Boomers. Use code WeebyGeeks for fifteen percent off your purchase. I use code WINGEEKS15 at toink.com for your purchase there. And, of course, it's free shipping within the lower 48. And, uh, Ken, I'm going to put you to task. I had something, too, but that was like two weeks ago. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Reach down in your databank, see if you can find it again. Yeah. Because we're going to do our Toink Pick of the Week for Wookiee Radio. Last week, it was... Uh, the Death Star lamp is Derek mm-hmm. picked it on to go along with his pick from uh, for Weeby Geeks. Yes, indeed. And I forgot what you picked for Weeby Geeks. A Bob Ross uh, puzzle That's of right. one of his paintings. Sorry. Actually, let me reset this so I can see what the newest stuff is that's coming through that has come into there because they have a lot of stuff. This site is so packed with stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is one of their top. Oh. 
Here we go, because I've I've wanted this for a while. I just never picked it up. They have on there the comic images, Star Wars Chewbacca faux leather messenger bag. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Um, what you call it? Um, Think Geek used to have this thing. It uh, is, it's a messenger bag. It yeah. looks like Chewbacca's bandolier with the bag that hangs down from it. Zoe has, because uh, they did versions of, similar to this for um, for the parks a while back. One was a phone holder. And one was a um, tablet holder. So it was just not as wide as this, but um, similar. And then they actually sell a bag similar to this in the parks. But the uh, the silver parts on the strap is actual plastic, plastic molded uh, rectangles to make up the pieces of the bandolero. Cool. So Derek, something you can look forward to here. There's another actually Very really cool. cool one right here, too. If you go this way, if, um, they actually have a... Boba Fett Mandalorian Skull Bounty Hunter badge wallet. There's a wallet with a Bounty Hunter's license uh, badge on it. Oh, wow. I'm looking for that one. Wait a minute. Drop the link in here. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's nice. Now, the one thing I wish they I wish they had more pictures. Everything I've looked at so far just has like one picture on the site. Yeah. Sometimes it's only what they get from uh, from the manufacturer, too. Well, this one's from BioWorld, so you know it's going to be a quality piece. It's just... Yeah, and you would think, yeah, BioWorld should have had more. BioWorld takes 57 pictures of everything before they even think about doing anything with it. True. <laughs> of course, their their spinoff company is Heroes and Villains. Mm-hmm. It makes a bunch of great stuff as well, which we all, all three of us, own some stuff from that. Yeah, I still pick up stuff here and there from um, from Heroes and Villains. Yeah, they, ha- they have a sling bag I want to get for the parks. Get I keep waiting for um, what goes on clearance and watch there, because you know, no one can afford this stuff when it's at full price on there. Yeah, but you know the mm-hmm. the the sling bags at like sixty five bucks still isn't a bad deal with the quality that they yeah. do and for the license. So, um, but getting back to things, the get my head on straight again. Let's see what I'm actually mentioning. The you've been uh, sitting around too much. The comic images: Star Wars Chewbacca faux leather. Messenger bag is this week's point pick of the week from Ken. Of course, use code WINGEEKS15 for 15% off purchase of that bag. So, which is still, it's a great bag if you're going to conventions. It's a great bag if, you know, you need something to carry, an additional bag to carry for school, to carry additional supplies, college or, or, or high school or middle school. If it's the bag that they used to carry on Think Geek, it will actually hold up to, I think, a 12 or 14 um, inch laptop, too. Um, does it say on here? I didn't see it on there. What it fits most tablet, netbooks, and 11 inch MacBooks. Okay, yeah. So that that is, the, I think it is the same bag that they used to carry on Think Geek back before Think Geek died. Yeah. So it, you could carry. I missed that. Unlike the, the tablet Chewy bag that was. A vertical carry. This is a horizontal carry for your tablet, which is just as good. And if you have a netbook, small, small laptop, 11 inch laptop, perfect for that. Ideal. So, uh, which makes going, you know, it makes traveling easy too. It, you know, if you're a traveler, you know, want that, you know, don't want your, you want easier access to your, to your tablet and a few other things. And you want to put your backpack up in the storage overhead. This, you know, most of the time bags like this is considered almost like a purse. It doesn't count towards your personal bag like a backpack does or a carry-on bag. It's a personal bag. So this is a great talking piece because who knows? Someone may come up to you and just go, 
Thank you, Joey. So, um, I don't remember if I asked, but I'll ask again. How you guys doing? All right. As we're recording, I got the stitches out of my foot. Woohoo! Pen still in though. How long until they decide to put more in? More stitches. <laughs> no, yeah. Hopefully not more. Not for a while. You never have too many stitches. No, no. I, I've had enough stitches for this year. <laughs> Between the knee and when the... my when my wife broke her ankle, she had twenty eight staples. Oh. Yeah, getting those out was not fun. <laughs> no. Can't imagine. See when I had the reconstruction the see, I've never had staples. Everything I've ever had done it's been it's been stitches. Mm. Even when I had the reconstruction, the ligament in my ankle was still stitches. Mm. But supposedly, if all goes well, the pin in my toe comes out next week. Then how are you going to write? <laughs> like I do now <laughs> with my with a pin between my fingers. But this pin that was used to help stabilize the screws in my in my toe and keep the toe okay. Uh, once it comes out, I've already asked to keep it because I'm going to use it as a accessory for one for my Jawas and my droids. And when people go, what's that? I don't remember that. Like uh, that was in my toe for four weeks or a month. <laughs> so, um, so I, I want to hit a topic real quick because I had a listener hit me up on Instagram, which you can check out our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all at Wookie Radio. Uh, look for us all as one word. Um, email us at wookieradio at gmail.com as well. Don't care about crypto. So, uh, so we were asked if we could talk about a few of your favorite characters or species or races uh, that we found most fascinating in the Star Wars universe um, or when we get into actual characters or even droids or ships. So I'm going to say I've been on a droid kick lately because, well, one, being a cast member, they have allotted us a great discount. And I got for my birthday this year's Halloween Astromac. And friend of ours, I showed this to Eric on Friday. I got the four pack oh, cool. of previous Halloween astromaps, which all of these are, according to Wikipedia, officially canon. Okay. I don't know how that That's was done. That's easy to do. Did you say, oh, it was in the background somewhere? Yeah. Well, this year's kind of <laughs> looks like a vampire a little bit. And apparently it was on Exegol somewhere. Now, not officially in the films, but in the background, unseen background somewhere. There was only five or six actual things you actually ever saw. If you were, if you go back and rewatch that, Exegol is a very dark place. Yeah, they showed very little of it. Well, Did considering you? this droid's name is R seven FNG, because in one the upper arms has two white triangles that almost look like fangs, and it's like a, a vampire droid, <laughs> vampire astromech, um, a phlebotomy droid. Exegol is a great place. Uh-huh. With it being so dark, he stays in the shadows. What droids do in the shadows coming soon to Comedy Hollow Net, Comedy Hollow Net channel near you. So um, I want to do astromechs. Well, what is y'all's favorite astromech? It could be an actual character, it could be an actual style. And we have seen many different styles. Uh, I know on screen we have seen all the way up through... An R6, an R0 through an R6. We've seen the C series, which is like Chopper. Yeah. Um, so what I would love for him to eventually get R7, R8, R9 on screen at some point. You'd think by the time they got to the sequel trilogy, they would have had something like that. Yeah. Uh, of course, we count BB units 
um, you know, the SK series. Well, no, the BBs are considered an Astromech version of Astromechs. Um, there's the SK series, which we kind of saw one in Mandalorian, uh, the episode where Cobb Vanth goes and buys the armor from the Jawas. The Astromech in there is kind of the same head as the SK 620 head from the Star Cruiser. A lot of people are just calling that an SK series droid, which is an Astromech. Um, but still an R series, but it has a SK notation, except for that one's called Noah in zero AH. So I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Um, but with droids, or, you know, we're going to focus on an Astromech. It could be the fairy droid from Mandalorian. It could be the R1s that we see, like the tall cylinder one that really doesn't move, has that mono foot from, uh, a New Hope that's coming out of the Santa Crawler. Or the the other variant of that is the one that was the security droid on the prison ship Mandalorian. So, um, yeah. I don't know. For me, I've never really got into droids too much. It's just, it would always have to go back to R2-D2 for me if you're going to Astromech. The original Swiss Army knife of the Star Wars universe. That's fine. They've always just been basically the mechanic and navigator in the background. Yeah. Uh, of course, with you going based on that, um, R5. R5-D4 was the only other yeah. major one that really got any major attention. Well, he only got major attention because he got sabotaged. True. I could have swore before I read the book that I had seen, I thought it was a, um, wasn't there, was there ever a shot made of R2 sabotaging R5-D4? Um, possibly. I could have swore there was a deleted scene or something I saw somewhere of R2 just reaching out and breaking something off of him. It may have been in the comic for R2 Tampers. I do not recall that. Because for some reason, it's in my head that watching R5-D4 start to drive away and R2 reaches out with one of his rippers and breaks something off. So I'm probably way wrong. I'm just remembering weird. <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly fine. That's why we're so, especially now there's so much Star Wars stuff out there. It was easier when there was just three movies and that was it. Oh, yeah, this mm-hmm. why, that's why we're, you know, I brought this topic up. I thought it would be a cool talk. Um, according to Wikipedia, in canon, we have a, another ash style astromech is the ALT utility droid, uh, which is one that serves. It's like a server droid. Uh, we see an example of this on uh, Drayden Voss's yacht in Solo uh, Star Wars Story, but also makes his first appearance in Rogue One, actually. Um, then they go, there's the Astro Medic, which was... Um, they were a model medical droid that were program that were astromech droids reprogrammed to heal injuries with advanced octa based technologies. During the Galactic Civil War, the Galactic Empire made use of black painted astromechs on the battlefield, and these came from the game Star Wars Commander. Hmm. Uh, then we got the BB series, the C series, um, and they say there's a lothal, lothal astromech. A Q7 series as well. Uh, a Lothal Astromech is one made by Lothal Logistics Limited from Triple L, not industrial automation, um, but they were not considered to be on par with those from industrial automation. Uh, but they were considered decent enough droids, uh, mostly white bodies and had transparent domes similar to those of the R3 series from IA. And we see these in uh, Star Wars Rebels, which is actually uh, one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven. Made eight appearances in uh, Rebels. And then the Q7 series uh, were a model of spherical astromech droids that featured dome, a dome resembling an R2 or an R4P astromech. An R4P is the round dome. Uh, it was used to co-pilot the Alpha 3 Nimbus class B-wing starfighters in flight uh, and assisted in in-flight maintenance and navigation, giving pilots a larger margin of error when flying close to obstacles. Q-7s were carried along uh, aboard V-wings flown by the Galactic Republic Navy during the Clone Wars. Uh, they are seen first appearances in Revenge of the Sith, uh, also seen in uh, Star Wars Battlefront 3 and Galaxy's Edge number 3 flashback. So, I don't know if that helps y'all anything, but we know uh, Ken said R2 is pretty much his favorite. What about you, Derek? Uh, what was the question? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, I, the Astromechs, I like them, but they've never really been my favorite. Um, that being said, you know, I've always loved R2, but I'm actually going to go with uh, Chopper. Because I just like his edge. With the astromech that I built from Galaxy's Edge, which I named, it's an R5 unit. Uh, it's an R5 0LD. I built them when I turned 50. Um, I want to get the, mm-hmm. there's someone on someone online who sells, uh, um, whatchamacallit, custom personal, uh, personality chips that you can add to it. I want to get the chopper chip. Mm-hmm. But now, supposedly, they have a chip that's similar to Chopper's personality. And I go in and I said, look, and none of them, I never get a direct answer. So I'm like, what's the new personality chip that makes my Astromac sound like a grumpy Astromac? Because I want that grumpiness to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one I have now is kind of close, but not there. But there is one that is more based on Chopper's personality, which they do sell a Chopper. Uh, pre-made chopper that is remote control that you buy. Just mm-hmm. it's not something I'm looking into. It's, it's just I want, but I, I have the one I built. I may buy spare parts for it later because I could change. I could buy like extra domes and change the domes. Um, it'll still be an R5 unit. It's as far as I'm concerned, the components uh, is an R5, but um, it's just like with the R4s or Soka's R7. An R7 has a triangle sensor port. Ahsoka's does not because it, it, it's the dome's normal, like a normal R2 dome, but it's a, it's just a normal, uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, it's an R7 body with a R2 dome. And actually, I think her R7, her body on it's a little different than what they're supposed to be. But her, hers has the, the, the moniker of an R7 even though it's not, an R7's not listed canon. Um, so I, I don't know how her R7 if it's truly a, an R2 droid, where the R7 comes from later down in the serial number, where her droid name came from, I don't know. That's eh, part of Disney Parks canon. Uh, no. See, I don't think it's something that Wikipedia has addressed. I'll have to talk. Uh, I can't remember his name that we had on the show. But I'll have to ask him about how they classify Ahsoka's R7 droid and why isn't it not? Why isn't an R7 not listed? as canon on their canon page. Um, but for me right now, as much as I love the, the different Halloween droids, Christmas droids they've been putting out from Disney, 
the droids that are in the park, uh, like in front of um, Mubu's Droid Depot. The one I'm really, I'm a, I'm a huge R2 fan to begin with, just like Ken. Always have been, always will be. But the one that I'm really still kind of, because it's fresh and new, and I got to work with him for a little bit, is SK620 from from the Star Cruiser. And I'm getting, and I may be getting closer to being able to get a couple, you know, both the remote and the action figure size. Cool. So uh, I will be happy for that. So, but no, I, it's like they did uh, one R2 this year for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World's R2W50. Uh, I would love to go back and get the, the one that celebrated the anniversary of uh, Disneyland and the first one that they did for for D23 on the first um, themed Astromax, Disney-related themed Astromax. Uh, I do have Mickey Mouse's Astromech because it's part of that two-pack, Jedi Mickey and his droid, and that one stays sealed. Um, trying to find another one so I could get it, but so I have one loose. Um, but like the key ones, I, I have a R2W50 on the wall, and I've got one that's going to be loose. I'm going to do the same thing with the with the SK. I'm going to have one on the wall, one loose for you know for the displays. Um, I mean, if you looked at my wall now, most of them up here are most of my figures on the wall are Astromex that are still men on card. Uh, I'm staring at an R2KT who was uh, Albon Albin. Uh, I can't remember his last name, Alvin Johnson, founder of the 501st. And he had a daughter named Katie who was diagnosed with brain cancer and she loved Astromex. So he was going to make her an Astromex that was an R2 unit, but pink instead of blue. So someone uh, in the fandom loaned, loaned them their R2 unit, repainted pink, you know, all the blue repainted pink. So she had it until theirs could get built completed built building well the actual r2 kt was delivered after katie had passed away um but years ago through uh hyperspace hasbro made the r2 kt available and all the proceeds went to to the charity that r2 kt stands for the cancer yeah cancer charity i remember they also um lucasfilm put r2 kt in rogue one if i remember right she's in the hangar no, she's in Force Awakens. Force Awakens, okay. I knew they put her into one of the movies. Yeah, she's in Force Awakens, and she's in one other one other sequel film. I don't know if it's La- uh, Rise of Skywalker or uh, Last Jedi. She's in one other. And then the, the other cool one is the, the droid that the actress who played Leia loved going to was a R5 unit. It was R5P5? And it was a white and pink droid as well, which I thought was cool. So, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Good conversation. And if you want to know more about Astromex, uh, just go to Wikipedia and type in Astromech, and it'll give you the uh, the canon and the legends. So, so yeah, you, you've got that. I did, while um, we were talking there, I did do some searching about that scene that I, and, um, it was a Reddit post or something that asked about R2 and um, R5D4. And um, there was someone else in there that seemed to remember that scene, seeing that at some point somewhere, a scene where R2 messes with R5. That doesn't mean it actually happened. It just means the two of us are crazy. I don't I don't believe there was a cut scene for it. I want to say I remember it in the comics. I'm going to have to go back and look at through Marvel Unlimited 
where you can find all yeah. the legacy, all the all the legend book comics from seventy seven to eighty five. Uh, I'm gonna have to go look and see if it's actually there. I but, also have to um, go back and re-listen. I guess um, they did say somewhere that it seems to, it's like kind of um, insinuated a little bit in the original radio dramas of maybe, that scene, maybe as well. But I know the current canon now, they actually, um, I found on there is if you go to the book, A Certain Point of View, it talks about um, that scene in R2 doesn't have anything. He, um, the way that one puts it, R2 um, kind of talks R5-D4 into faking a blown motivator so that R2 can go with him instead of him. Okay. So yeah, that, that's so, definitely in one of the comics. So pre-planning, hey, if you're picked... There's something like that. It was in that certain point of view, the short stories of um, basically looking, watching a new hope from a, um, from other people's perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about what's coming up. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi Jedi's Return is coming September eighth. That would this be. This looks like it's gonna be awesome. That'd be next Thursday. Yeah, that's interesting. Is Disney Plus just changing? Oh, no, that's because that is um, Disney Plus Day. It is Disney Plus Day. But I don't know if they're changing because um, She-Hulk is dropping on Thursdays, not Wednesdays. I had heard a a theory that at some point that um, Marvel was just switching to Thursday releases where Star Wars would still be on Wednesdays. Could be. But they've had that theory before because they used to do Star Wars used to drop on um, Fridays. Right. I think it just depends on the series and when they decide they want to drop it. Well, I know uh, September 23rd is when the new Mighty Ducks show, the second season, the Mighty Ducks Game Changer show drops. That's a Friday. And of course, two days before that is when we get the three episodes of Andor. Yeah. I've not even seen the first season of that one yet. They had at one point, it it seemed like Marvel was releasing stuff on Wednesdays because that's also when the comics come out to the stores. Yes. Which to me makes more sense for Marvel to drop Wednesday, Star Wars to drop Thursday. Right. If you're going to make the swap, do the swap there. Or actually, I like what you had said before, like when they were doing, you know, have Marvel do Wednesday and, and Star Wars Friday. That that still works too. If you don't want to compete with other shows dropping, because um, like Orville had dropped on Thursdays on Hulu, um, Halo and Strange New Worlds. Yeah, Paramount Plus always or, drops um, on. Yeah, Paramount they Plus were is all on Thursday. Thursdays. Yeah, Hulu. It depends on what day of the week the show drops or what on its. Own. It the Hulu comes up with their own schedule and stuff. Right. Uh, Prime's typically really, Prime's typically Friday. Uh, Netflix, Netflix is whenever because usually they drop whole series at a time. Yeah. Uh, they drop most of their stuff on Fridays though, don't they? They when they do premieres. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. But really, like you're saying about um, competition with other, there is really in streaming, there's no competition for a time slot. You can drop everything on one day. It's not going to matter because within a day or two, everybody's going to see it. Right. But it's that first day hit. Yeah. They want the big buzz of, hey, this is the only thing everybody watched. Exactly. They want the numbers for the first day. What was the, what was the first day numbers then the first week numbers? So, um, but yeah, the, this trailer's going to drop on uh, September 8th. Uh, the show's drops on September 8th. What do y'all think of the trailer for this? I, yeah. I, this show is going to be awesome, but then I like all the behind the scenes things. So um, this is going to be amazing. Seeing how this is, especially that it looks like they're going to have a lot of stuff with um, Ewan and uh, Hayden 
getting yeah. um, back together and what it was like coming with Hayden coming back to Star Wars, doing coming back to Star Wars. I hope we see Molly. That's what I'm hoping too. I hope she, even if she's just something walking around in the background. Yeah, yeah. I might. I need just to shoot her a message and ask. Um, I need to check on her anyway, but see if she's going to be in it. She might not know. Yeah, something like this, she may not know until it airs. Unless she did like an interview for it or something. True. Uh, I did reach out to her about her coming back on the show, and she said we got to go through Lucasfilm now. Yeah. Because she had a speaking She's part. Officially a Lucasfilm actor now. Um, but I've also reached out to one of her stunt friends from the show, who was one of the stormtroopers about coming on. Cool. I guess he had done a few other shows as well as the stormtrooper. So I'm working on trying to get him on the show. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his name because one I can't pronounce it right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I don't want Butcher's insult him and Butcher's name until have a chance to talk to him before show and go okay how do i pronounce your name so i could butcher it the first time i say it like i typically do mm-hmm. uh, and then you'll probably just butcher it anyway so <laughs> um no i'm i'm excited because they they said uh like I, i'm i'm i've been digging the interview you know when, when they show hayden and he's been consistent with this with all his interviews that you know the first time he's on set he saw Ewan. You know, it's that scene where you know there are, where you and you know Obi Wan sees Anakin off in the distance, or thinks he's seeing him. It's that mirage, and literally that whole sequence of Anakin looking back and going, "Hi, Obi Wan." I don't know if that was actually scripted or because of that moment it was redone, but it, it, it's cool to know that that's one of the first things that he did. Yeah, and that that's when he felt he was back home when he did that scene or I wonder if they're going to go into the um the um sparring scene and why they decided not to um de-age either one of the actors back to where they should have looked like yeah what was the decision on that on the point on um saving the money on that well and why did why didn't they age you in a bit more as well because, I mean, there's a lot of aging to go to go from Ewan 10 years prior to A New Hope to Alec Guinness. Well, also, that's um, the major look difference. I think one is just genetics in general, but actors in general in the 70s compared to actors today. Yeah. I mean, you know, someone <laughs> yeah. like Sam Jackson. How old is Sam Jackson? He's in his 70s, isn't he? Yeah. He looks like he did when he did SWAT yeah. or the early stuff. He, he really doesn't look like he ages at all. Right. But with, with you, okay, um, if but, I remember right, Alec Guinness, when he did Star Wars, was like 59 or 61, something like that. Right. He was only like two yeah, or three, a couple of years older than where you and McGregor is now. Yeah. Yeah. But it, he, he had a more weathered look to him. Yeah. That's what I said. It was a lot of it is just the in general actors in the 70s. Yeah. As they aged, they aged. It looked, they showed their age more. So, eventually, I, would, age. I mean, if we, if we were to see Obi-Wan or you and play Obi-Wan closer to A New Hope, I hope they age him to look closer to the Alex Guinness look. The Alex Guinness look. Because so we got to get there at some point. I mean, I'm very pleased with Ewan as Obi-Wan, and, he, and he's starting to get the voice, you know, Alex's voice. But uh, now, we, now we need to start aging him a little bit yeah. to get well, the look, or, or at least gray the hair more. I said if George was doing it, 
he would just go back to the original films and de-age Alec Guinness and um, blend him with a little bit of Ewan uh, digitally, and <laughs> we'd have a totally different Obi-Wan. Yeah, but I think that would be a disjustice to, uh, to the Alec Guinness mistake, state yeah. for doing that. I mean... I didn't say it's a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can just see him doing it. I mean, we do see a little bit of the change with Hayden looking closer to how he looks, how Vader looks when Luke unveils him. So, I mean, there there is some, there was the start of some swelling internally, which is going to happen because of, you know, being vacuum pressed in that suit all the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because um, I'm curious to see what Deborah Chow has to say about all this. I, I want to see all the, the creature shop props department stuff. Yeah. And I hope they touch on the audio because I, I was really, really pleased with the audio stuff on Kenobi. That's one thing. The yeah, audio sound effects and music. Uh, all of that usually is no problem in Star Wars ever. No, no, not typically, not typically. So, um, so we're all kind of okay with, uh, and we are looking forward to Kenobi series. Um, there are some new Star Wars Jedi books revealed, or the new Star Wars Jedi book has been revealed. A Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars. Uh, yeah, this is going to be cool. This is a new novel from Del Rey, being written by Sam Maggs, who find, and of course, in this book, we find Cal Kestis leading the Mantis crew on an adventure set between Fallen Order and Survivor, the new game that's expected to arrive. Um, in the near future, uh, Battle Scars, the book itself, is tentatively scheduled for March 7th. Um, and then the art of Star Wars Jedi, Jedi Survivor, or the art of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, uh, is being published by Dark Horse, will chronicle the development of the game, collecting concept art, creator commentary, and an oversized full color hardcover that will hit around May 2nd of next year. Which means sometime in May, more than likely we're getting Jedi Survivor. Uh, if not May, I think it's going to be summer. Summer or late summer. They're not going to put the art of book too far ahead of the actual release of the game. If if the art of is, as they're saying here, uh, chronicling the development of the game in concept art and not actual game art, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It would still have spoilers for what's in the game itself. Possibly. Well, what's the what's the chance of um, this coming out on May second? They drop the game um, goes live at May fourth. <laughs> Quite possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, when is May fourth next nope. year? Right after the third. Right before the fifth. Yeah, uh, just slightly before the fifth. May fourth is a Thursday next year. May second is a Tuesday. Hmm. That's possible. I mean, traditionally games are dropped on Fridays with movies. Isn't that the normal? I don't know. Yes. It's Tuesdays is books and music. Wednesdays is comics. Fridays is new movies. I think well, games comics are, are Tuesday also now. No, come on. Comics are Wednesdays. DC comes out on Tuesdays now. Yeah. When did this change? Since they switched distributors. Uh, they, they, they switched distributors. Yeah. So we have new or two new comic book days, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine is still on Wednesday because my comic shop is closed on Tuesdays. Oh, really? And he wasn't going to change it just so the DC can have their stuff a day early. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, and DC switched um, about a year ago. They switched distributors. They told Diamond to pound sand. I remember that, but I thought they yeah. were still releasing on, one, on Wednesdays. Nope. Nope. Okay. 
like I said, with the modern, uh, like we were talking about with streaming, with the modern way people consume media, the date of dropping something, really, the day of the week doesn't matter nearly as much yeah. as it used to. Yeah, but yeah. you know... Especially since now, at this point, when this game drops, there's going to be a large, large amount of people that um, get it digital. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be one of those people. My Xbox doesn't have... I, I have the um, Series S. I don't have the X, so I don't even have a disc drive in mine. I've been, I don't think I've picked up uh, an actual game from a store in a while, long while. Everything's been digital, digital download. Mm-hmm. I still get them at the store because I still get used games at GameStop. Yeah. Now, for, for my Wii, yeah, I still get used games from GameStop. But for you know most of my gaming's on PC, I just download streaming. Um, but Hera's been in the news. Uh, a lot lately, and she was brought up recently because of uh, National Aviation Day that was back on August 19th that we totally missed for a variety of reasons. I think we had guests, or yeah, we had guests because we were supposed to record last week on my birthday. That never happened um, because of the, the First Order tried to mess with us and actually succeeded on my side. They tried. They kept, they, they disrupted our communications, but I caught it. Hence why we're back this week. Uh, so StarWars.com gives us 10 of Harris and Dula's greatest moments. Uh, number one is her learning to fly. Uh, this goes back to when we are introduced to Hera in Bad Batch. And, you know, she saw her pet, her parents imprisoned by the Imperials. And of course, Omega uh, helps her rescue her parents. Uh, and they, they did so by destroying. You know, their job was to distract Imperial troopers and the stormtroopers, but needed to do a lot more along the way. Uh, so, Hera's first flight in a stolen row class transport shuttle. A bit rocky, but with Omega's encouragement, Hera's passion and knowledge, uh, they take out the base cannons and, uh, and continue to help with the rescue. Uh, number two, uh, this comes from Star Wars A New Dawn, written by John Jackson Miller. Uh, it's the Count Vidian confrontation. I need to read this book again. I have it sitting on the shelf beside me. Uh, this is one of Hera's earliest appearances uh, in the novel. Uh, Star Wars New Dawn shows her firm belief that people are more powerful when they're together. Uh, she meets her she meets her future partner, Kanan Jarrus, a.k.a. Caleb Dune. Um, and he tends to be cynical about others' motives as his own. The two investigate the cruelty of the Empire as they find it's better to work together. Uh, her piloting skills are tested when she rescues Kanan and herself from an, explo- from an explosion in a life pod. Uh, this just goes to prove that she could fly anything with grace and skill. Uh, number three, passing on what she learned or what she has learned. The Spectres, the code name for Hera's crew, board the starship Ghost, um, are you know like an island of misfit toys, but they've become family more ways than one uh, while Hera eventually has a child of her own with Kanan she also serves as a mentor to Ezra Sabine and Zeb in Rebels uh, the episode Out of Darkness in particular she shows her skill imparting difficult lessons and kindness with kindness and calm uh, she illustrates that teamwork in the rebellion, rebellion requires some secrecy, secrecy after all so uh, number four which is Actually, I think one of my favorite moments is the B-Wing test drive. Yeah. She yeah, takes yeah. the B-Wing for, for its first flight. It's like, if, if you're going to 
you're going to have a pilot do it, might as well be her. And, and she did a great job with it. Um, and I think because of this episode, um, it's called Wings of the Master. Uh, this episode led me to a better appreciation of the B-Wing. The fact that there are two different models of B-Wings. Uh, this, the single pilot model where the pilot does everything. And then the, the two person where there's a, a pilot and then a gunner and the bottom turret. I've always liked the B-Wing. Yeah. It was always cool looking. I thought it was cool, but I really never understood it. Well, it's like, okay, X-Wing, I understand. It looks like an X. Y-Wing, okay, it looks like a Y. A-Wing, okay, I, I kind of see the A. I never really understood the B-Wing initially, why it was called Maybe a B-Wing. because it's a bomber? No, it's not. No, this one, it wasn't. I always thought it was for some reason. No, it's a blockade. It's a blockade breaker. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a fighter to... Um, it's supposed to be used to help blockade runners support blockade runners and block and breaking through Imperial blockades or first order blockades. Cause they didn't come about until after the creation, after the galactic empire had already been around. Uh, number five facing general or facing grand admiral Thrawn. This, I remember this whole mm-hmm. episode is really well as, as well. Um, cause he, he sees that or she sees that he has, uh, one of her family heirlooms in his office. So, uh, number yeah, six. That was the one thing uh, in Rebels I thought was amazing when they actually brought in Grand Admiral Thrawn and changed all the um, a lot of the details of his backstory a little bit, but um, the character of Grand Admiral Thrawn was still there. Well, and a lot of the change to to the character in the backstory was was done with uh, Timothy Zahn's help. Yeah. Which is amazing, yeah. and it, it translated this. It, when you see Thrawn on screen, there, that is the, t- the Grand Admiral Thrawn I met in '91 when I first read *Heir to the Empire*. Yeah, the backstory may have changed, but the essence of the character was still present. And it was very, very cool to actually finally see him on screen. I can't wait to see a live-action version of him. Hopefully, yeah. we get that, and mm-hmm. hopefully, we get that. Soka. It's all but confirmed. We're getting it. Yeah. Uh, number six, establishing chopper base. Um, this was her, you know, the base that she creates. That is her Yavin, her Yavin four base. Uh, and until they had to combine everything over to Yavin, um, you know, she was able to coordinate a strike on Lothal, uh, from Atalon. Uh, of course, this is where Kanan runs into, uh, the creature, the force sensitive creature. I do. Bindu, thank you. Uh, this is where we get the spiders. Voiced by Tom Baker. To who himself? <laughs> yep. um, number seven, a friend to the Ewoks. During the Battle of Endor, uh, Hera could be seen alongside other heroes of the Rebellion, uh, which we see this in uh, is it Galaxy of Heroes or Forces of Destiny, one of the two series. Uh, like the Millennium Falcon, the Ghost was a modified freighter with more power under the plates than it looked. Um, even with an unlikely crew of Ewoks at gun at the guns, Hera lines up the shots and they take down pursuing TIE fighters for another victory. Rebels show time and time again that you don't have to have the whole, most high-tech weapons in the war to make a difference. And I, I will actually watch this episode because there, it was also cool, too, to see um, the rivalry between her and Han about whose freighter was the better ship. Yeah. The Falcon or the Ghost, which is the better ship. As much as I love the ghost, and I love the cast of Rebels, 
I gotta go Falcon. I just gotta go the Falcon. But if they decided, it might be Luke's X-wing from the books, where he never does a memory wipe, and it starts actually the computer in it starts to get a mind of its own a little bit. Yeah, it can only work Mm -hmm. with R two D two. It's the only astromech that can actually work with it. See, that that could be a topic. Uh, Yeah, that could be a topic for next week. A favorite, maybe favorite fight, uh, starfighter, or favorite overall ship, and then the week after that, we narrowed it down to favorite freighter. For transport to 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 fighter craft to to atmospheric fighters only or atmospheric ships only. Possibly, there's not a whole lot of the um, speeder type. Well, there's regular speeders, but the variety on it's a little different. But you got the land speeders, snow speeders. Yeah. Uh, if sand speeders are canon, then sand speeders. Your speeder bikes. Well, the crate those uh, speeders on crate are sand speeders. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's like a, a mining yeah a mining ship. So, I mean, yeah, there's a variety of speeders we can talk about. I guess when I say atmospheric vehicles, I mean, that could be speeders. That could be the, AT, the ATTs, ATSTs. Well, that's ADATs. a ground vehicle. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. To me, yeah, but I, I would consider all that atmospheric. Anything that can't leave the planet. See, for me, atmospheric would be something that can fly. And ground yeah. vehicles would be your ADATs, your tanks, okay. your... Good point. Okay. Duly noted. Do that. Right. And we do it that way. A normal land speeder would would really be a ground vehicle as well. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. They've never said because, um, like, loose land speeders. You don't know. They may have been able to fly. Also, it's just I don't know because if you look on Coruscant, the the lot of the air speeders there look like the same. Yeah, but I don't think the land speeder. If it goes off a cliff, it's gonna drop. Probably. <laughs> it's it's not gonna fly. Till. I'd like to test that theory. I don't. Um, number eight, safeguarding Project Starhawk. Uh, this comes from the game Star Wars Squadrons, where she helps coordinate numerous victories. Uh, one of the turning points was protecting the prototype Starhawk ships. Uh, it was the New Republic answer to the Imperial Star Destroyers. I don't think I have gotten that far yet in the game. Yeah, I don't think I ever got that far either. Uh, not long afterward, Starhawk. I still haven't played it. Oh, it's a great game. I just haven't had time to play it. Uh, Starhawks developed from the plans, the prototypes that would be used, used. Uh, would be used to, to great effect in the Battle of Jakku. So what brought down the Star Destroyers on the Battle of Jakku? Apparently Starhawks, with the help of whatever other fighters they had. Um, number nine, Team Building Master. And we see this in the Alphabet Squadron series. Yes. I want to know, is there another book coming? Because these were an awesome series. I mean, there's only two books so far, but... I thought there was three books. We need more. Is there three? I thought there was three. I'd have to look it up. I was sworn there was three. Check. Alphabet Squadron, three book series. Okay. You have uh, Alphabet Squadron, Shadowfall, and Victory's Price. I thought there was three. Uh, but yeah. This her- is what, that's a series, though, I think that... Um, could be their first Star Wars series since they've restarted all the canon and stuff. Similar to the way they did the original X-Wing series, because there was eight to t- eight or ten books in the X-Wing series. Yeah, uh, Alphabet Squadron, uh, the Thrawn, the two, the start of the, the the first Thrawn trilogy and the second Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, there as well. Uh, Aftermath is a great series that was done by Chuck Wendig. Yeah, but those were all like trilogies. Those aren't. A, yeah. ser- a book series, really. True. I wouldn't mind seeing, depending on how well 
Paras received in Soka. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, an Alphabet Squadron series take off, be it animated or live action on Disney Plus. Yeah. And it's all other tales outside of the books or it picks up after Victory Price. Uh, and then number 10, um, which is where one of the things I really loved from the Alphabet series uh, in Victory Price, the final book. Um, Harris piloting a uh, Star Destroyer. Yes. Hmm. And it's so cool. It, it's, it's done extremely well. Um, Alexander Freed did an amazing job with the with this trilogy so far, and I hope it does get turned in. I hope we get more books from this. And I was hoping, because the comic version of this was TIE Fighter. There was a five-issue TIE Fighter series. Yes. That uh-huh. coincided with the Alphabet Squadron book, and I was hoping they were going to do more. And do another set of Tie Fighter books to go with the other two books, and they just never they just never did it. But I absolutely loved the Tie Fighter series from mm-hmm. Marvel. Um, then uh, Rogue One released on IMAX over this past weekend becomes the highest grossing IMAX release ever. I wish it would have played here in the Cleveland area. It did play here in the Orlando area. I wish I wasn't laid up or I could have gone comfortably. I have no idea if it played in my area. I mean, I've been looking at Fandango looking for it. I mean, because it's supposed to get another wide release also. Right. This, right was, before Andor. this was IMAX and it played uh, the 26th. It, it played Friday through Sunday or Monday. I only had a four day run. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, I know it was Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't remember if, the, if it ran through Monday or not, but yeah, highest IMAX. So that's, that's impressive. Just tells you how strong that story is. Well, this is, uh, I believe this is kind of um, factoring in uh, the original IMAX release also all the way up to now. So it's the numbers from the original release and this yeah. added to it. And oh, this it? put it over the top these four days. Well, mm-hmm. so in four days, it grossed one million ticket sales or according to colander uh, the weekend sales grossed one million ticket sales which pushed its overall imax earnings to 105 making it one of the top 10 highest grossing movies to ever be released in imax just shows you how strong edward's film was how a script mm-hmm. and direction and everything was this was a great uh as we've always said this is the video game that we always wanted as kids and it's a great movie no real Jedi in it. We were told no lightsabers, and then we get the lightsaber from Vader, which I've always said when I saw that in the trailer, I'm like, okay, I'm upset. We were told no lightsabers. But then when we see it in the film, it's like, no, justified. I am perfectly fine with this lightsaber in the film. That was, that was in the trailer, one of the trailers? I don't remember that. I, I don't remember. I thought I saw it in a trailer. I think when I first saw the lightsaber light up, I'm like, maybe that's maybe that's probably yeah. it. I was, I was pissed. I was like, wait, we were told no lightsabers. And then when that and then whole, you remembered, oh, wait, it's Darth Vader on screen. <laughs> well, just the way that whole scene played out. I'm like, his lightsaber is OK. That, that was that was perfect justification. I mean, if we saw if we saw an Inquisitor lightsaber, I would have been upset. If there was an Inquisitor, if we saw a Jedi lightsaber, I would have been upset. I wouldn't have. I would have been a little upset. I would have been upset, but I would. Okay, maybe not upset, but disappointed because we were told there were no lightsabers. Yeah, disappointed. But with Vader, 
in that sequence, it's like, no, I'm not disappointed at all. It, this just helps amazing prove amazing sequence. This just helps prove Vader is a badass. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then finally, you know, we know a few weeks ago, and the books climbing the charts. It really is. Um, Princess uh, Star Wars: The Princess and the Scoundrel um, from Beth Revis uh, has come out, and their their release this week was uh, artwork showing supposedly Leia's wedding dress. And it's a very cool looking dress. Yeah. She's still, she's wearing um, the white fur boots that she had in the Return of the Jedi. Um, and then, but the laces, but she has the laces go up to her knee woven, you know, woven, uh, and then a bit of the lacing woven in her hair, wearing her hair down. But um, it's, it's, it's a green dress with like gold trim. Yeah, it's a little reminiscent of the um, Ewok dress. Yeah, uh, the Ewok sort of the Ewok dress uh, had some pelts, like leather pelts, with it. Yeah, this had a very Naboo uh, Alderaan esque vibe to it. Kind of. The more I'm looking at this, the more I'm not getting a Star Wars feel. I'm getting more of like a high fantasy type feel. Yeah. <laughs> It's like something you see in Game of Thrones or in Lord of the Rings or something like that. Similar. Yeah. I I mean, the artwork is gorgeous. Yeah. It's, I haven't gotten to the book yet, but if this is how it's described in the book, um, I mean, I I dig this completely. Um, It very, very much has a very Naboo-esque vibe to it as well. So it's almost like Naboo meets Endor. Yeah. So... Uh, so yeah, I I am very. I'd be curious to see how this gets replicated, and if um, I'll have to ask friends of mine at who work at the Star Cruiser if they've seen anyone wear this dress yet in Star Cruiser. So I'm I'm highly expecting that to happen. Um, so uh, according to the book, Leia wore a gown made of soft meadow green, embroidered with flowers similar to the ones bedecked the outside of the temple. It hung loose over her body. Yeah, it was, wasn't shapeless. The sides were open, giving her space to move her legs and expose the laces of her white fur boots that went all the way up to her knees. She held a bouquet of wildflowers tied with the same bit of lace woven in her hair, and Han suspected that Leia had picked the flowers just before she climbed the ladder to the temple. Uh, she wore flowers, but no jewels. She looked more nymph than princess. So I'm not sure where this temple is. <laughs> I'm gonna have to eventually sit down and read the book. Yeah, I need to get it still. Um, because the ceremony supposedly, according to this write-up, is at the site of the victory celebration at the end of the film, and then from there, the newlyweds depart for a honeymoon aboard the Halcyon. So I just I gotta get to this book sooner, even more, even sooner now. So uh, at this point in time, guys, I gotta ask final thoughts. This could be about anything. Well, as of um us recording this we got approximately three weeks to andor i can't wait till we get there derek's got a month before he gets to see galaxy's edge mm-hmm. and build his lightsaber i cannot wait for that you get to ogus cantina some point actually meet you in person <laughs> uh i may still be out of work so i may be able depending on what y'all's plans are on a wednesday uh-huh. maybe maybe we get together a wednesday uh, when Melissa gets out of work, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to Nancy. We were th- a Wednesday might might be a good day. 
I'll talk to Nancy. Yeah. If you're okay with that. Wednesday might work. Since, yeah. she, since she's been scheduling. Yes, she has. <laughs> I leave uh, that up to her. <laughs> did you get your Oga, Oga reservations? Yes. You got Ogas? Not yet. Oh, talk to Nicole. Nicole, uh, for those who don't know, Nicole Davis, she's uh, a Walt Disney approved travel agent. And I believe Kristen Holt, uh, Kristen Holtzboe, Algen's wife, I believe is still a Disney travel agent as well. So check with one of those two for your Walt Disney, Disneyland travels. Um, any other final thoughts, guys? Nope. I got That's enough. all I had. What he said. Sure. Since there's no other final thoughts outside of Chewie's, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2! <laughs>